saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. everybody jacob here with uh, daniel three so um just wanted to do a little intro for this conversation this was totally spur of the moment um i didn't have anything planned for this week and so i i went out on twitter and just like asked if anybody was free to do a podcast and nick uh nick ashley responded and so this was like a completely spontaneous we went in with no plan and uh had a pretty fun conversation i mean you know so we um started out kind of just I don't know, just kind of shooting the breeze and, and kind of going back and forth, talking about different things going on in our lives. Um, then we started talking about the uh, the liberty movement more specifically and kind of what's been going on in the political arena, sort of like the conversations that have happened between libertarians who are still involved in the Libertarian Party, specifically the Mises Caucus, and then also those who are kind of going back to a more GOP paleo strategy route. And so we had a conversation about sort of like our agreements and disagreements with the various actors and uh, individuals and groups, uh, you know, in, in the different factions of the movement and where we, you know, where we, we kind of agreed on that, you know, it's it's good that we have different people trying different things because uh, that's what the marketplace does. It, it comes up with multiple solutions, different people who are, uh, you know, filling in different uh, niches within the market, and uh, it's not something to, to I don't know, be be divisive over. We should embrace that division of labor. Um, then we got a little bit more philosophical and talking about the non-aggression principle, and you know, uh, I, I guess like the theme of the conversation, you could say, was that although we believe in the non-aggression principle and we try to be principled libertarians, um, you know, as a, as a Christian, you know, it's kind of like we have to remember there are things that go beyond libertarianism. And we, we kind of tried to kind of like explore areas in life where one might, you know, to do the right thing, one might have to act in a way that, you know, isn't 100% consistent with, uh, the non-aggression principle. Uh, also, that if we're trying to de-escalate the state, if we're trying to move away from statism and authoritarianism towards liberty, there might be steps along the way and compromises that aren't completely consistent with our ideals, but are still good moves to make because they're pushing the ball in the right direction. 
but that there's a danger also in becoming too pragmatic. You don't want to completely sacrifice your principles and just end up become becoming a lukewarm version of a uh, libertarian and you know like like you know not wanting to become i guess what the duopoly is not wanting to just revert back into a lesser of two evils uh sort of sort of statist but but kind of paying lip service to liberty that's that's certainly what we want to avoid but you know if you're if you're dealing in a world that is completely devoid of principle um acting in a way like if if you're playing a game and somebody's cheating you playing by the rules isn't going to help you, um, and this is real life, not a game. So, you know, it's it's about. I, I guess it's sort of like the way I was conceptualizing it too was it's sort of like you know there's the idea of sphere sovereignty that I talked about you know uh, a month ago with Greg Bouse and you know I feel like our life sort of has these different spheres to it too, and it's like you know I wear a lot of different hats, but they have a hierarchy of value uh or of or of importance like i'm a libertarian but that hat is superseded by the hats i wear as a father and as a husband and those hats are even uh superseded by uh my uh commitment to being a bond servant of of christ so it's it's about like not i guess it's sort of like you could say the overall theme is don't be dogmatic and you know these are ideas I'm playing with. You know what I mean. I've I've certainly been in the camp who is criticizing a lot of the people who go to like the GOP route and the people who are, in my opinion, too quick to abandon the non-aggression principle. And I know I did an episode on that a week ago. Uh, I certainly have not changed my mind. I don't think anything I am saying now or I say in this conversation with Nick is really in conflict with the things I said. Uh, in I forget what episode it was, like forty something, I guess. But um, on the not aggression principle, but it's like you know, there's a balance. We shouldn't abandon the not aggression principle, but we also have to remember that, like, it's it's a I don't know, it's not an all encompassing principle, and I'm not going to be a slave to a, I guess, especially not a slave to a secular idea. You know what I mean? So. Well, and my phone's ringing. You can tell I uh, <laughs> really don't put that much effort into this, right? <laughs> Got to keep those expectations low. All right, that's enough for me for the intro. Go ahead and uh, give this a listen. And uh, yeah, enjoy. What's happening, everybody? I'm Jacob Daniel, host of the Daniel 3 Podcast. Thanks for tuning in tonight live. Um, excited to have uh, uh, my guest tonight. It's the uh, Return of the King, King Nick Ashley. How you doing, man? I'm all right. I'm a little under the weather today, but I got a drink to to help remedy that. So a little sore throat, little body fatigue. Not the COVID. I had that already. I was going to ask you if you caught the caught the. Uh, the I poof. had that yeah. last December. I'm not. Uh, I thought it was that's like when I, I woke that's up. That's when I had it too. So it was yeah. last September. Yeah, get out. That's weird. How, how, I, how did uh, it affect you? Uh, it was very, very mild. Like um, I had a mildly scratchy throat. Uh, I could breathe just fine. I could, uh, I didn't have any, I had like some slight body aches and a, I mean, I don't even know if it's technically a fever, what I had, uh, the highest I got, the highest temperature I took was a hundred point four. Um, so I was able to keep that managed with Tylenol, but, um, 
I didn't have a sore throat. I, this morning I woke up with a sore throat uh, and I'd had some trouble getting to sleep last night. My wife said she had a sore throat for the past few days, so I figure it's just a little bug going around. But I didn't have a sore throat when we, when we had the corona, neither did she. So it ain't it's not that. Plus, I have faith in natural immunity. <laughs> I hope that didn't just get you kicked <laughs> off of YouTube. I'm sorry if I did. Oh, it's all right. I'm not monetized yet. Once we get there, then, the, you know, that's when they'll mm. come for you. But that's that when the nice, target's on you. Yeah. See, I'm in that nice, like, you know, like, you know, three over 300 subscribers. And it's like I'm starting to build an audience and a brand. But, like, I'm still small enough that, like, they don't give a shit what I do. Except they still, they, um, I was really annoyed they were giving me uh, copyright strikes for uh, um, the song. I was, I, I, I had to go get, like, a royalty-free song for, my intro before I was using actually a song you're very familiar with. I was, I was playing self ownership for the, uh, that little countdown intro by, uh, Eric July's band, but, um, but they kept on flagging me for it and it was annoying to have to go back and edit it out. So, um, yeah, COVID hit me a lot harder than most, but that's cause I, I had asthma as a kid and mostly uh, as an adult, I grew out of it, but, uh, man, the COVID brought that back fierce. And so that was a little bit miserable. Um, but other than that, it was just like a bad, a bad flu. So, um, it's not, Drew already in the comments pointing out the coat. It's not a poster. It's not a poster. It's artwork by his wife. My wife painted that. So watch what you say. I'm right. just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a good painting uh, though. Everybody yeah, thinks it's a, everybody thinks it's official art. Let me go grab it. Let me, let me give y'all a close up of it. very well done everybody thinks that it's official art who, who who asked me about it so that's really cool oh now now drew's <laughs> i don't know if you can hear me without the headphones any <laughs> break it would be funny if it just breaks it like look how cool my painting is fucking falls and breaks in half <laughs> i think i'll put it back up there crooked but that's all right i'll fix it later that's yeah, fine um from the wall it almost appears like a shy guy from from Mario. Oh, okay. The guy, little guys that wear the mask. I didn't play Mario too much as a as a kid. I mean, I've I've played a, a few like super probably the original Super uh, Mario Brothers, but I don't. Know, I never got into too much Mario. Um, I was more of a uh, I was more of a a Mega Man fan. That was actually like my first like oh, franchise no. that I got hard into. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be worse. It could have been Sonic. I know there's the big Mario versus Sonic rivalry that happen i i had a i had a genesis and i played sonic but i don't know like i didn't get like into gaming until i, I played mega man then i played kingdom hearts and then uh kotar of course was a big a big i mean i, I must have played kotar one and two at least probably a hundred times between the two of them uh, like multiple playthroughs light side dark side different you know builds and whatnot um and then you know we were going to nerd out a little bit about like they, they announced uh, I guess it was last month they announced they're doing a, a remake of the original Kotar. Is so, it an actual remake or is it like, a, how, how does it work? Because I haven't seen anything about it. Oh, wow. Um, I wish I knew how to like quickly pull up a trailer and play it here for us because it's a really short trailer. I'll check it but, out. Um, yeah. Um, it, I mean, they haven't announced much for it, but it's like a complete, it's not like they're just re-releasing it with updated graphics. It's a total... Oh total remake like okay. they're going to like re i mean so there's not a lot of details yet obviously about it but another um, one you see again? that in the chat 
<laughs> that's my friend rob nerd once every again time, dude every time i see the word nerd <laughs> written out i i yeah josh smith's voice comes into my mind <laughs> <laughs> that's how i read that word now yeah that's that's uh that's a picture that my my wife painted uh trill who is in the chat right now now i wanted to address something it's just appropriate being that this is this name is on my cup but there are still people that think that nick ashley is a fake name that i came up with it's guys it's my real name all right <laughs> it's my real name so where so wait, wait is your wife's name ashley ashley no my wife's name is Joni. the cup is oh Joni. oh, oh okay, ashley sorry. yeah Oh, sorry. I thought you were holding that up saying that was your wife's name when you. No, okay, no, no, no. That's, that's 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 our last name. That's my last your, name. Okay. You don't believe it? Yeah, I know you don't. That's so like, what, yeah. what's the saying? Don't trust a don't trust a person with two first names or something <laughs> like that. What's say I, People give me grief. But I'm like, no, actually, Daniel's my middle name, not my last name. I just kind of prefer. I mean, my last name's out there, but I kind of prefer not to just blast it out there. Like to maybe you know hold on to like a a, a thread of anonymity if I can, but. Yeah, um, I don't know. I've already been doxxed a couple times, so it's probably pointless. But... Yeah, I would have self doxxed, like posted my. Ad. I have a PO box that's public, so uh, that's that's the same town that I live in. So if somebody really wanted to find me, it wouldn't be that difficult, I guess. But if I wasn't like, if I was, if I was a single guy who just lived alone or something, I would have just doxxed myself a long time ago. Just be like, okay, if anybody's gonna try something, just try it. Like I don't, I'm not worried about it. You guys aren't keyboard warriors. Don't do anything, you know. Yeah, well, they, um, the the Fakertarians group people when it doxed me, they released my home address. They did like a Google Maps like view of my house and posted it. Uh, posted where I work, um, and then made threats that they were going to give that information to uh, Antifa in a city like you know twenty miles to the east of me which i mean like so on one hand like when, when that happened i kind of laughed at it because i was just like you you guys are losers you wouldn't actually show up i mean if you did like there's stuff in here that would take care of that i'm not gonna you know i'm not, I'm not gonna I'm yeah gonna be very vague exactly. there's there's, yeah. there's something in there that i think would would probably uh um thwart off anyone who was dumb enough to try but um it, but it, I did act, I had to get more pissed off about it though, because like, even though I kind of felt like they were empty threats, like my wife, obviously when she, uh, when I told her about it was freaked out and yeah. that then, so that I was like, yeah, that's not like, you know, especially, you know, we got young kids and stuff. It's like, you don't, it's just not, even though like I try not to be too dramatic about doxing, like it isn't, it, it isn't cool, especially when someone has kids and stuff to, to, to make threats like that towards them. Cause you never know. Like, it's probably a low percentage of threats like that they get followed through with, but you mm. never know that somebody, some some idiot, won't try something. So it's, uh, um, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I try to. My wife like doesn't want me to be too public about stuff. So like I don't use her name. I don't use our kids' names uh, and stuff. Like I try to respect their privacy, but uh, I don't know. It's in this day and I, I keep trying to tell her. Like I feel like in the day and age we live with we live in like privacy is just becoming like a luxury that only like the really hyper rich can kind of afford yeah uh like i said i i, I got a a friend named kalashnikov in my closet so if it was just me i wouldn't i would put my address out there and say if anybody wants to try something then do it be, by all means like i'm not no i'm not being a tough guy or anything i'm just like 
what are we gonna do here? Like, but I've been being that I have a wife who works at a job that's I doubt that anything would happen to her if for my activities online. But and I've always worked, you know, I've always been a mechanic, at least you know, for my like adult working life, I've just been a mechanic. So uh that's not a job where you're gonna get fired for saying shit online that I, you know, that's oh, yeah, that no. I've done online. Like my my boss would probably couldn't care less at the time. And and then the 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 like if there's a I can't think of a mechanic shop where you would get fired for that kind of activity unless no, you're some sort of representative or service writer or something. Maybe, maybe. But yeah, I feel like most, I mean, I know, um, like I, I remember the first year I worked at the shop I work at, it was, uh, I mean, I got um, roasted and uh, well, like, what's the word for like um, freshman? You um, like hazed, you, uh, like rookie hey, hazing. Yeah. I got, I got hazed pretty good when I started out as a mechanic. I mean, Pulling, pulling breaks on me, being the butt of every joke. I mean, and you know, the jokes you hear in the mechanic world are are not a, uh, you know, not for the the uh, squeamish, I guess. Uh, especially, I work at a transmission shop, so the tranny jokes are oh, endless, yeah. <laughs> just absolutely yeah. endless. Worse than um, our Twitter group chat, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I was I was in a group chat earlier today, and they were making we were we were commenting about uh lgbt stuff and i i just took a picture of of the my uh upstairs building room but there's like four transmissions the guys the trannies are coming <laughs> <laughs> they're surrounding me <laughs> um but yeah so someone in the someone in the chat asked why they doxed me um what's funny is that they doxed me because i was defending you that's what happened yeah because oh, they, well, now that, I'm involved and I'm, yeah, oh, hell that, that, no. that, that, that group was going hard after you when you were making your like, when I was five million nine hundred ninety nine thousand. I don't know why they get so mad about that one I, thing in particular. I know. I was like, he's literally doing it to piss. Like me and Josh were both there, like saying, like he's literally doing it just to piss you off. But no, and I then, didn't. Yeah. This is the thing. Let me say something. Like that wasn't meant to piss anybody off. That was just me being cheeky. Like, okay. If it like, let's just for hypothetically say somebody believes that five million nine five point nine million people Jewish people were killed in the Holocaust and not six million people. Does that really make them that bad of a person? Like worth doxing no. somebody who's defending them? Come on! Like no. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that I haven't done some antagonistic shit toward them people or their friends or anything like that. Obviously, I have. There was a whole two hour show that I did just specifically for that right. reason, but. <laughs> The, the 5.9 million thing was just me. I don't remember. I don't even remember what was happening when that happened. I think it was probably probably around the time where some comparisons to the. The V word pass were being made. I don't remember, but I, that wasn't to be antagonistic toward anybody. It was just to be funny. Like it like how absurd is that that you would get mad at me putting out that number? Oh, you're you're a Nazi and a and a piece of tra trash because you posted that. I mean, that's, yeah. If you know I lived I mean? in it's, listen, if guys, if I lived in Nazi Germany, you see this profile? <laughs> I, I'm done yeah. day one, dude. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, and, and even though, so it's like what's funny is that to like really strict uh, Jews and like I have Jewish family, but because my mother's not Jewish, I'm yeah. not technically Jewish. But I always tell like them like Hitler I'm was. Jewish enough. Yeah, like I'm Jewish enough to end up in the internment camps. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it, it, that's all that matters at the end of the day. It's like we're gonna be squabbling in the internment camps as we're getting, <laughs> you know, walked to the ovens. Like, oh, you're not really Jewish. It's like, well, I'm here, so <laughs> yeah, didn't like, make much of a difference. If, if if they really think that I like have Nazi sympathies, it's like okay, I'm, you're free to think that. I think you're dumb, and that's like one of the stupidest things. But. Well, the whole I mean, point I, is like I feel like we make fun of them because of how uh 
ridiculous they are with that term. And it's like they've become a meme. And so we we kind of make fun of them for the meme that they are, where every like literally anything to the right of being a social justice warrior is just like varying shades of Nazism to these these (laughs) idiots. Um, I remember you ever watch the um, you hear the YouTube channel Freedom Tunes? Yes. You ever see the video he did where like the uh, the SJWs built a time machine to go back in time and bring people from World War II because they were like, oh no, the Nazis are taking over again. We have to get the the first people who defeated the 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 first Nazis to help us. And so they brought them yeah. and they were like describing all the things in our culture that they call being Nazi. And they were just like, you know, but it was just like, so they'd be like, there are people out there that that uh, don't believe that uh gay people can li- live together and then they were like what gay people can live together and they were all so it was like uh it was one of my favorite episodes of that but it's just like um yeah i don't think that they have any understanding of what uh nazism is obviously it's no. just a it's just a <laughs> it's a caricature for them anything that is i mean and i don't even know like would you even classify i don't know if you would classify yourself as a even right-leaning person or a conservative oh me uh, I, I wouldn't say well i'm conservative in like my private and personal life um but definitely not compared to some like a conservative conservative you know i'm not conservative like in the political sense um right. but i definitely yeah i'm definitely fairly clearly right like right-leaning right-wing uh i mean i i i don't know how else i could classify myself but definitely uh i i mean that's an interesting conversation to be had because the the more important thing is if they're the more important thing than being right wing and some people will probably not be happy with me saying this but it's okay i'm i'm just kind of working through these ideas more important than being right wing is being anti uh despot anti tyranny you know sure um but i think that my understanding of hierarchy and my i mean frankly my my economics i don't think you can put austrian economics on i mean i know that it's a descriptive it's not a normative it's a descriptive school or discipline but i think that my application of uh austrian economics put places me clearly on the right um basically i'm i'm kind of a hoppian i don't really call myself a hoppian because i haven't read enough hoppa i just call myself a rothbardian uh or a and cap or whatever and like i i don't everybody has arguments about what all these terms mean but i just say those things because that's what typically you know it just makes things easier to communicate like you know what i mean well you know what's really dumb is like you know i would consider myself kind of a hoppy and you know definitely a rothbardian and and have you watched like the uh conversation dave smith had with popular liberty and pete uh, quinones yet just the other day yeah yeah i listened to it yesterday yeah so i remember like in that in that conversation you know dave and dave's like been one of the most vocal defenders of hapa uh Mm. like ever but even in that conversation dave pointed out like an area where he disagreed with hapa and then you know i remember some people were were you know not a lot of people but a couple people in the comments were you know freaking out a little bit about that and i was like guys like you know you're allowed to like agree with somebody you know on like 90 percent of things but like have some small nitpicks or disagreements with them like you know nobody's gonna agree on a hundred percent of things you know what i mean it's like so like i i consider myself a rothbardian but i think for example murray rothbard's take on uh the rights of children was just wrong like i don't think parents actually own their children um you know that, that that's an area of disagreement and 
you know, D- Dave's uh, critique of Hoppe was, you know, kind of well taken. It wasn't even a critique. He was just like, I think Hoppe is just a little off base in his description of, uh, you know, I, I think he was like homosexuals being high time preference and stuff. That's one of those things where like, I kind of see both sides of that. Like I can kind of see why Hoppe said that, but then I also like, I know a lot of people who don't really fit that description. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's one of those things that like, it's probably like, a generalization that holds some truth but you can't just like universally apply it to to every person who is homosexual travis travis in the chat he just said exactly what i was going to say like literally that was the i the thing i was just going to say um the tickling testes is that's travis okay that's travis yeah (laughs) so travis um yeah, he that's an excellent point that he just made that I was about to make, uh, which is that I think that what he was talking about was, yeah, or, or maybe not what he was talking about, but the high time preference is just much better. Uh, the reason he said gay people have more like higher time preference is because they can't have children. Right. Uh, so, well, obviously you can adopt. I know I would like we're not talking about that, uh, but since they can't have children, they are going to tend to want things now not worry about the future which is by definition that's higher time preference now i do definitely think that it is a more it's a more appropriate generalization to make about people that do not have children and do not plan to have children that doesn't mean though like obviously generalizations there's obviously exceptions to rules and it's not even necessarily that it's a rule i just think that it's a it's a relatively logical trend of thought to to arrive at that conclusion you know uh so obviously it doesn't have to be correct but it seems to make sense on the surface at least um that people that don't have children or can't have children are obviously not worried as much about the future as they would if they planned on having children which just makes sense if you think about it for a second if somebody could convince me otherwise i'm not like this isn't concrete i but uh that's i i think that's a more appropriate way to to put that yeah, no, I, I agree. And it's just like, there's something about like, you know, when you're reading people's writings and stuff, it's like, I think a lot of people are, especially like in the more loser brigade circles have a very uh, low reading IQ and they don't understand like the cadence of certain writers and like styles. And also don't understand that there's like a bit of a language barrier too. Cause like English isn't Hoppe's like native tongue. So yeah. like, it's like, you kind of have to read things and like understand that, like, I don't know, be a, even just like the littlest, um, uh, the littlest bit charitable when you're reading it to like, not assume like, Oh, I'm going to read this in the worst possible way and assume the worst possible intentions to it. Um, you know, and, and try to steel man the, the person's position, which, you know, no, nobody who critiques Hoppe, uh, has, I, I don't think has actually ever read an entire book by Hoppe and There's could no steel way. man his, his positions. So, no. um, you know, I, I think, you know, I, yeah, I think Hoppe's brilliant, you know, that doesn't mean that I don't have slight disagreements here and there, but I mean, more than 90% of it, I think is, is, is usually spot on, but I don't know. I just think that, you know, I, I wanted to get your, you know, opinion on this sort of like, you know, where, where you know, we are at in the, the liberty movement right now. I mean, kind of feels like the Mises caucus has started to like, I don't know, like it's, I wouldn't say that we're like strongly in first place, but like, I feel like we've started to pull ahead a little bit. You know what I mean? It's kind of like if you ever watch NASCAR and it's like the car has started to kind of pull ahead of the other one and it's not like there's a huge 
gap yet, but you can kind of like, okay, the trajectory looks like that we're going to, you know, by Reno, I think that we're going to, you know, ha- have a stronghold on the Libertarian Party. Um, but then it's like, okay, well, what next? And then are all the people that are these, like, you know, deranged critics of 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 uh the Mises caucus or just like the the more you know Austrian Ron Paul uh liberty circles in general like are they going to go away uh are they going to get get worse and try to you know strike back and you know I mean you know is there a reasonable like in my experience I'm finding a lot of you know people in the middle who aren't really in either camp who are starting to become more sympathetic to to us um but i mean that's just in my, my experience so i i like to ask other people kind of like what they're seeing you know and they're you know what's in you know what's happened you know the stuff that you know like i only see what happens around me so like you know i can't have a whole picture so yeah i'm not nearly as high on the as on the lp as i was when i first kind of jumped into this whole thing sure um and part of it is just the I know it's something that the Mises caucus is trying to combat and, and remedy, but part of it is just the, if you remember like the whole New Hampshire thing, the New Hampshire debacle where they just kind of unilaterally took over the party and ousted the duly elected officials that were from the Mises caucus. Yeah. Um, and then the meeting they had talked to try to vote or to discuss it. I don't remember exactly the details and I only watched for a little while cause I just couldn't take it. Um, but it, it definitely seems like a lot of people in the LP are in it because it's a small pond and they can be a big fish. Right. And I think that that's, yep. I, I don't think that that's a unfair criticism. I think that even guys that are all in on the LP, like Dave would agree with that. I, I would imagine. Uh, I think he has made that criticism himself in the past. Um, as, as of late, I've been a lot more sympathetic to guys like, um, Mark Claire. And the reason I point to Mark Claire is because he of the, I'm not calling him a post libertarian and I don't really like that term. I know he's not like, he's clearly not in the exact same camp as your Matt Erickson and, and Andrew popular Liberty, popular yeah. Liberty, if I can speak correctly, but he's kind of sympathetic toward those guys. And I'm like, I'm kind of feeling a similar way too. And like the reason I say I point to Mark Claire is because He's just kind of trying to say, look, guys, we got to try to do something different. He's not being a dick. Yeah. Maybe on Twitter a little bit. Like, I, I don't know. I haven't really seen. Uh, everyone's a dick on Twitter. Um, I mean, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that, and and Tho Bishop, but Tho is doing his own like paleo, his own modernized version of the paleo strategy. So those are the kind of things that I think are more. That's my in my estimation, those are more valuable or not valuable, but more worthwhile ventures if you're going into, into political route. But I, I, I think like on, um, on the episode you mentioned earlier on Pete's show with Dave and Andrew, Andrew had said some stuff that really shocked me, uh, that like talking about how Buck Johnson is running for a city council position. And the person who has that position, whenever she ran for that position, literally only four people voted for her total. And the yeah. opposition candidate, one person voted for him, and it was himself. So when, yeah. whenever you end the average, I, I don't remember what, I think it was mayor. The average mayoral race cost $1,500 to campaign. 
and you can win on that kind of money. So whenever he was telling me that stuff, I'm like, wow, okay. Imagine having a bunch of Glenn Jacobs uh, in around the country. I do agree with him that that is a much more, um, like if you have a bunch of these different cells building up around the country, like little freedom cells or whatever you would call that sounds kind of corny, but I don't know what else to say. Just little bubbles kind of brewing up that are just little pockets of people who are saying, we're going to, we're going to have a libertarian in charge or we're going to have somebody in charge that's at least willing to nullify this Biden, the COVID nonsense and all this stuff. And they're all over the place. I think that's a much more. It's, it's more clearly it's like by definition, it's more decentralized for one, which I think is better because it's more difficult for them to combat. What he also mentioned in that show was he talked about the. um huh, what OSHA, how OSHA only has like 2000 people that work for it. And right. not most of those people are not what you would consider to be field agents. So if you have, if you, I think he said like 500 field, field agents. So if you have 700 mayors or, or not even 700, you don't even need that many because there are multiple businesses per, per city. So if you have a few hundred mayors who are willing to say, okay, if an OSHA rep shows up to try to, do something to try to put a chain on our door because we're not enforcing this vaccine thing. The sheriff will have something to say about that. You know what I mean? Like if you have that kind of response, as opposed to the free state project, which is good. I like the free state project. And I was actually kind of arguing with drew about it the other day, but it was more just to, I think that a lot of people present this free state project as something that's better than it is. I don't want to get into that too much right now, but I like the idea, like the idea that you're going to, that's the whole point behind covenant communities. You're just surrounding yourself by like-minded people that like a similar culture. And like, obviously that's a better way for people to live. But um, I like the idea of it being much less, cent much less centralized and much more spread out. Um, so I, I, I do agree with Andrew on that. What I don't agree with is that like, man, the, oh shit. Am I still here? Okay, we're good. You I thought, you I, thought I, hit, I thought I hit refresh or something. My my ah. window something happened to my window. <laughs> oh, you're good. I, but uh, I, I I don't really like the idea that he's gonna his idea is to raise taxes on businesses that support the regime, quote unquote, support the regime. And I get the sentiment. Like, believe me, I get it. I want to punish these people too. Like, trust me, I de I definitely do. And maybe this is where they're comfortable with breaking away from the term libertarian because that is something that's clearly maybe not justifiable from a libertarian framework and if they're okay with that then that's fine like i'm not i'm not mad at them for saying well that's not a libertarian position like i've taken positions that people have said well that's not libertarian and i'm over here like okay like whatever whatever man if you don't think i'm a libertarian for that then fine so this isn't me saying they're not libertarians clearly they're comfortable with that accusation and they don't care which is respectable like if they're just gonna do it they're gonna be real about it right that's what i'd rather them do that um and be honest right but i don't think that it's a good idea to be like yeah if you impose this for your business then you're going to be fined or taxed more and that's going to go to i don't even know what he was getting into with his anti-tax wealth fund or whatever i don't even know what it's that very entails. it's very like you have he gave a very like reader's digest version of that today whereas like you'd have to go back and watch like the i mean you have to watch probably like uh the four hours at least of his conversations with pete on his show to get yeah. a, a fuller uh, and even then like i wouldn't claim to be an expert 
it's just like it made more sense to me. The summary made more sense to me because I'd heard his long expositions I got about you. it before. Um, I, I think his anti-tax idea is intriguing. Um, and I actually I'm trying to get Andrew on the show because I want to talk to him about that because that was something that like him and Dave were talking about. And like what Andrew wants, like he's like, listen, the Mises caucus isn't going away. I would like to work with them. And if they can start implementing some of this anti-tax stuff where they have, you know, positions of power and influence, then that's all the better. And I certainly want to foster good relations with, you know, it's like, I mean, I, I'm personally not drawn to the GOP, but if there's Rothbardian, liberty-loving people in the GOP working within it, well, then I want to work with them. You know what I mean? We don't have to be, uh, we don't all have to, we don't all have to do the same thing. So, you know, that's, that part's never bothered me. Uh, I do think sometimes, and, and I think this is partly like, uh our fault like the Mises caucus like i don't think we advertise our strategy all the time very well and i'm trying to to get you know more people in the caucus to do a better job of doing that because like we certainly are all for you know you know local politics and getting mayors elected and getting people yes. into positions to to nullify the crap out of stuff now there's an argument as to like is it more effective to do that from within the gop versus the lp and it's kind of like well Yes and no, and is kind of my answer. Like in the short term, like yeah, it's probably easier to work within the GOP, and you can get you you could probably get more immediately done in the GOP than you could through the LP. I'm just always a little bit leery about like you know like I would never personally want to stake my flag in the GOP just because I've seen what they've done to Ron Paul, I've seen what they've done to like the Tea Party movement. I see like, you know, they're not even really that high on guys like Rand and Massey. You know, it's like I just feel like the GOP is kind of allergic to liberty uh, people in the long run. Um, not to say that, you know, that there's no good that can be done. And I know the low, you know, it probably varies state by state. I know here in where I live in Pennsylvania, the GOP is a joke. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I'm sure. But it's probably not even comparable to what the GOP looks like in Florida where Tho Bishop is is highly involved. But you know like yeah. Tho Bishop is Tho Bishop. We don't have a Tho Bishop in all 50 states, you know what I mean? So um it, I don't know. And at, at the very least and this is this is less about like uh fighting the covid regime and more I guess a, an issue of pride, but I just can't leave the libertarian party to the lawbirds. Like it's just you know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. like I, I, that's really why I joined the Mises caucus in the first place was I was like, yeah, you know, it'd be nice if the people in charge of the party called the libertarian party were like good libertarians, not like these cliche, oh, we're not right or left. We're fiscally conservative and socially liberal. It's just like, yeah, no, that's, that's not what libertarian, like we're here to end the duop. It was funny. Like I, I had Spike on the show last week and he, even he was like criticizing that type of libertarian and kind of mocking them a bit because it's like, yeah, like that's not compelling and that's not an accurate representation of what libertarian philosophy is. So even if the party is always going to be ineffective politically, it should at least represent the idea as well. Um, yeah, I think in, so in my too. opinion. So, I agree but yeah, that. I think I think there's room for reasonable disagreement and and you know, humility to say like we don't know as far as what strategy goes. You know what I mean? So like I don't like, people want to work in the GOP. It's like more power to them. I I get where they're all coming from. Uh, I, I just know for me personally, I I wouldn't. I don't know. I I have 
a lot harder of a time biting my tongue around like boomer cons and stuff like that. So I know that I would, uh, I'd have a hard time personally, like working within, you know, like my, my local GOPs are probably made up from like people from like my local American Legion who are just diehard MAGA people and, and, and don't want to do anything except, you know, get like, get get together for their their little social meetings you know what i mean like i feel like a lot of the local gop affiliates are just social clubs for for boomers and stuff but i don't know that's just that's what's that's what it feels like in my neck of the woods well i i, I will say um I, the the gop is not a monolith and i'm not saying sure. you're saying that yeah. I, but I, I do know like you you recognize that and i think i think we yeah there's something that we need to kind of understand um i but it, it and you're also right that it is geography dependent like if you're going to go to texas like rural texas or rural you know wyoming or wherever you are then the local gop is going to be way different than even like than than florida or, or new york or urban areas or whatever um but just just as an example a guy today uh named wes morrison he is a rothbardian libertarian he just won uh for the position of mayor for Cape Canaveral, Florida today. That's G he did that through the Republican party. And the thing, the thing that I would say is that if you're in a place where you're going to be, because even Dave says the main point of him doing a presidential campaign would just be to be able to get on the debate stage and show people like the light, right? You know, he's clearly not, I don't think he, I think he's under, he understands that he's not going to be a winner and he's, yeah like that that's and so he's realistic about what it is but i think that you can there's nothing wrong with the there are like legit and jeremy kaufman talks about this all the time which is where the free state project is at its best where there's legitimately like rothbardian and caps in state or in city councils and in, in county offices or, or whatever and through their their but they're republicans and sometimes you have to run as a republican just because that's what politics is the people aren't going to vote for you if you're not an R or a D and people, well, most people aren't going to vote for you if you're a R in some areas and vice versa, if you're a D in some areas. So that's just, that's just the nature of politics. And if you're going to get involved in politics, you have to recognize that and play that dirty game as best as you can. So I definitely, I do agree that it's, it would hurt nobody for the libertarian party to be like, and cap Rothbardian and libertarians like like Dave Smith and and Tom Woods and those guys who are proponents of the Mises caucus. But I also think that when you're talking about doing things like this cat Wes Morrison, I don't think he would be able to I don't think he would have been able to do that through the Libertarian Party. And it, it clearly just depends on what your goals are and where you are in the country. Uh because there's there's I mean I don't see how I definitely think that there are, let's just, for example, rural conservative Texans. I think a lot of them have good instincts toward voting for a candidate that's libertarian, even if they're a Republican, obviously, but like voting for a libertarian candidate running in the Republican Party, because a lot of those guys just, they have a good predisposition to being like, okay, leave me be like a cattle rancher out in West Texas or something. Um, uh, or, you know, somebody in Florida who's recognizes that they had it way better than the people up in New York did during the coronavirus nonsense, whatever. 
So that those people are more predisposed to voting for a candidate with a message of libertarianism, despite the party they're in. So, like, I, I mean, if you have, I don't see where this could be a situation, but if somebody maybe in like California to talk about the war on drugs or something, some you know, like leftish kind of sympathetic issues, uh, then you have maybe some people would be would it'd be better for them to run as Democrats, even though they're running a libertarian campaign. I don't know. I don't know what that kind of climate is like. Um, but I, I think that it, we're a lot of them. I think the a big mistake that a lot of people make is that they look at things as just this gigantic monolith. Yeah. Whether it's the strategy, like your strategy is going to be dependent on where you are, uh, and the people that are around you and the people who are voting, you have to know that if you're in politics, I don't know. Yeah, it, it. I agree with a lot of that, and um, you know, like like Pennsylvania, like where I live, it's a very purple state, but it tends to be purple blue. <laughs> yeah, it it's very. I mean, I think it went for Trump in twenty sixteen, but then it went Biden in twenty twenty. Uh, it, it's it's very rarely. Uh, I think Trump was the first time it had gone red since like the first time Bush ran. Uh, hmm. I don't think it. I think it went blue in 2004 could be wrong i don't know i was a lot younger back then but it's it's almost always and then like our local government though has always been blue like our 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 pennsylvania state like congress and stuff is democratically controlled we've had a democratic governor for as long as i can remember remember who's been a big piece of shit as far as the covid stuff uh goes um so uh you know, our local GOP like does nothing, like no outreach, no organization. They don't run, you know, candidates well. They're not. They don't have a you know. They don't have a good message. Now, like, there's an argument maybe to be like, well, we should go in there and and take it over then because it's it's ripe for taking over. Um, but I don't know. Like, um, so like in my local uh county, so I I ran for uh, constable. Actually, it's, it's election night here in PA, so. I'll find out tomorrow if I won that or not. Um, but the, uh, you know, when I was petitioning for ballot access and going around and knocking on doors and getting signatures and stuff, I had a lot of people who were like happy I was doing it. They were like, mm. oh, you're, 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 because like at first they're confused, like, why do you need ballot access? It's like, oh, I'm running under minor party status for the Libertarian Party. You're like, oh, you're with the Libertarian Party. And there's something about them that's like, they're intrigued to like talk to somebody who is you know, not part of just the same two old parties. So there's, you know what I mean? It's like, there's, so like, yeah, there is a little bit of a benefit and maybe like a little bit of a power boost to working within the GOP. But then like, depending on where you're at, there's probably a lot of baggage too, where some people might go, oh, I will just never vote for him because he's running out of the GOP banner. It's to me, it's just like, you know, as Austrians, we should get this like economics is impossible to centrally plan. Mm -hmm. And so like, we have to remember that like there's an infinite amount of variables and there's humans involved. So, you know, anything that involves humans, humans acting is economics at the end of the day. So, yeah. you know, different areas, different places are going to lean different directions and we need different entities and different people filling different niches uh, or uh, niches in that in the marketplace of liberty activism to try to, you know, get the ball rolling back in our favor. So, you know, I'm a big, I'm, I'm, you know, a big proponent of there being multiple 
uh, avenues. Like I'm a big fan of the Free State Project. Uh, I'm, you know, good buddies. A lot of the 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 people who are anti-political action, who are agorists, and who go, you know, really hard on that route. I'm obviously big on the Mises Caucus. That's my personal preference. But I have no problem with like Andrew and Pete and others and 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 uh, Tho who want to do a GOP route. You know what I mean? It's just, I mean, I think hopefully this is done now i know for i think the last couple of months it was just contentious because like while they were like they were vocal for a while and like being really like anti you know lpmc which like i kind of get like they were trying to explain why they were going a different direction but it was kind of like repetitive after a while where it was like i felt like for a, a month i'd go onto twitter every day and and either Pete or Tho was taking shots at us. And then Jason Stapleton was too. And Matt was too. And I, uh, and I was he just like me a long time ago. Yeah. And I was <laughs> just like, okay. So then I had Pete on my podcast uh, last month and I was like, you know, Hey Pete, like, and, and like, I've, I've known Pete a while just cause like I'm a mod on the national Facebook group for the LPMC. So like, I'd always like approve his posts and stuff like that. Uh, but then obviously things have been different since he's become critical of us. I was just like, Hey Pete, like, remember that like we're kind of like allies right like we should probably just try to find ways to work together and less spend less time uh taking shots at each other yeah i definitely agree with that like i I think that if you're gonna if you're if you're correct and you're like spearheading a strategy and you think you're correct which obviously you wouldn't spearhead a strategy you didn't think was correct right i kind of that's kind of a tautology right but if you're spearheading a strategy focus on that Unless somebody comes and and in fairness, there have been a lot of people that have gone after Pete because he's got a big old following, and there have been a lot of people that have gone after Erickson and Andrew for the things that they've said. Some of it rightfully so, some of it or not some of it right, maybe not rightfully so, but some of it like understandable, warranted or whatever. Yeah, like no. obviously you're gonna have your critics, but ultimately I think the thing is focus on your strategy. And if you're right, quote unquote correct, you're going to be vindicated. At the same time, a lot of this shit on Twitter is so inconsequential and it's, it takes so little effort to type up a quick little FU tweet and respond to somebody. Like it's really on the surface, it may look like you're spending a lot of energy arguing on Twitter, but the reality is, is I mean, it it doesn't take that much time to to talk talk shit on Twitter to somebody else. So it, it's not that much energy. Uh, but it is like optics wise, un- unless you're okay with it. And which clearly Pete doesn't care what people think of him. Like, <laughs> no, like, you know, respect, <laughs> respect. That guy's got, he don't give a shit. Um, so, so like, like f- that's fine. Like, it, it, but if you're, I feel like if you're, um, if your criticism of somebody like him is that he's too abrasive or he does things like that, then maybe you shouldn't partake in those things too. I don't know. I, like I, I, I ultimately think the thing you should do is I'm repeating myself here, but focus on your own strategy because you think you're correct, but egos get in the way. Like if you think you're right and somebody else is saying, well, no, that guy's wrong. Well, then obviously it's going to take, it's going to bug you and you're going to want to say something. Um, but I definitely think that the, the arguing back and forth is just not really productive. Uh, maybe a third party could be convinced of one of the other strategy based on them watching the argument. But I think that things that, like Dave did with Andrew and Pete the other day, like that's, that's good. They just sat down and had a real talk man to man and talk to each other and hash things out. Like that's productive. Like they, they found out where they agreed. They found out where they didn't, where they didn't agree. They both kind of cleared up each other's stances on things. Um, But uh, I mean, 
ultimately a lot of it is unproductive. And I mean, I could be wrong. Obviously, everybody could be wrong about <laughs> whatever. Um, I, I see I Reed in the chat. <laughs> yeah, Reed's asking if you miss him. I, hey, look, man, I do, but I want to say that so many people were tagging me in tweets saying we need to get Twitter support. Uh, we need to get their attention, and I was just like, "Could you please stop doing that? Like, it's not gonna. What are you doing?" So one guy even spurred that on me, and he was like, "Oh, I thought, I thought you, I thought you and Reed were friends. So I thought, <laughs> me, I mean, clearly you just wanted to coast off of his following, and now that he's gone, you don't care." Oh, I'm like, "No, you, you dummy! I'm just like, stop tagging me. It, it's it tagging me in tweets saying bring Reed back. I like that's not gonna do anything. No." I retweeted some of them. Like it's clear, I, I want Reed back on Twitter. He needs to be there. It was bullshit what he got banned for, but it did aggravate me. That one guy really pissed me off. Where he was like, "You were," and then like after I told him stop tagging me, and he was like, argue with me for a minute. I didn't even. I muted. I don't know if I muted him or muted the conversation or what, but I didn't see some of this stuff until later. Some of the replies, he was like, "Yeah, he was arguing with me. He's clearly just was using Reed for his." uh his following. And I bet he wasn't sober when he was doing that either. I'm like, okay, you, like does my reputation as a Bud Light white trash person perceive me that much? Cause <laughs> I hadn't had a drop of alcohol that day. Wow. Um, crap. I forget where I was going to go next. Um, yeah, sorry yeah I do. That. That was no, that's fine. <laughs> no, yeah, it is weird. Reed not being on Twitter now though. I used to tag him in so much shit. And now I like, sometimes I'll forget and I'll just go like at Reed and I'm like, pop up pop up why didn't it pop oh that's right he's gone <laughs> so it sucks yeah it was but... dumb it, it, what happened i mean i'm sure everybody knows but he had like somebody had made these photo face swaps of him and clint uh liberty yeah. lockdown and um they made somebody made accounts somebody made clint coverdale and reed russell right and uh <laughs> somebody said i don't remember what the person what one of those two accounts had said but reed responded if you come anywhere near my truck, I'll shoot you. Which it was just clearly, if you know, if you look at the thread, it's clearly not a threat of violence. It's just him talking shit with some people who are pretending like they were going to come up to his truck and harass him or something. Like, who, not even real, like, not even ostensibly real people. Obviously, there's a real person behind the Twitter account, but it's a parody of a person that doesn't exist. So, well, we can we can take comfort in the fact that at least Twitter would is absolutely consistent and would would ban every left wing person who made mild threats towards Trump supporters over the last <laughs> uh, over the last five six years. You know, they've they've been totally great on that. So, yeah, yeah, my <laughs> obviously sarcasm for uh, anyone who can't read my dry <laughs> sense of humor. Some sometimes I'm like so like dry in my sarcasm. People are just like. Wait, well, what? I'm just, I'm just like, sorry. It's just, He's just saying a statement. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that I, I definitely like on the political stuff that I, I agree, like, even though I'm not a fan of the GOP, I definitely agree with a lot of the guys like uh, Andrew and, and Pete on the fact that, like, we have to get more aggressive in fighting back against the state. And and there's something like and I, I'm trying to, like, explore these ideas a little bit. Um, so you, you kind of be a good sounding board for them, but like, to me, it's like, I don't know that, you know, fighting back against the state can be done in a way that perfectly comports to the non-aggression principle. And I don't think that's the fault of the non-aggression principle. It's no. just kind of like, you know what I mean? Like if you're, if your enemy is playing dirty, 
and you're constraining yourself to a set of rules that they aren't, then you're kind of, I just think, infinitely dooming yourself to to lose, I guess. And it's it's not even that, like, I do think there are lines we shouldn't cross, but like, and like, I'm not saying, oh, well, the NAP doesn't apply, so just become uh, a statist. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying, that's not what I'm trying to say. It's because like, I'm not, I'm not saying we should go seize power and just start like, let's go back and play the culture wars again. And let's go back to right versus left. And like, no, like that clearly doesn't work either. We need something that's like, you know, but there's gotta be something in between being purely principled and ineffective and playing the duopoly game again. You know what I mean? Like there has to be something in between those two extremes. And to me, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to, to fully define it, but I think it's kind of like, you know, I've been talking about decentralization a little bit lately on on Twitter, and I'm like, you know, decentralization is not a like mess free process. Like when you decentralize, it's not like you're starting from statism and then you make one move and suddenly you're at Ancapistan. There are going to ha- like if you're if you believe in decentralization as far as like the process goes and some kind of incrementalism from where we are now to someplace better then like you're going to have to make compromises. You're not going to get society or, you know, whether it's on a state <laughs> level or a local level to, to move from, you know, where we're at now to Ancapistan in one move. Um, yeah. Like you're going to have to, like some people have been uh, complaining a lot about people who are advocates for like uh, using a state government to ban uh, uh, COVID mandates. And they're like, that's that's not libertarian because businesses should have the right to, you know, pass their own uh, vaccine mandates for their em- their employees if they want to. And it's like, OK, like, yes, in a libertarian sense, I believe in private property rights and that ideally they should have the right to do so. But going from a federal mandate across the entire country that forces people to inject something into their body against their will to repel that with something that's localized like a state ban against the federal mandate that the only infringement on liberty is that now private employers can't uh force their employees to do something but like it's not it's not really i don't know like in in terms of if you're going to classify that as aggression it's pretty low on the scale to me it's comparable to like ah oh, somebody walked through my yard it's like okay yeah technically someone walked through your yard as a shortcut to violation of your property rights. But it's also like most people would just kind of be like, uh, to, you know, Dick and just kind of like move on. They're not going to go hunt the guy down with their AR 15 and, you know, <laughs> you, you fucking asshole. <laughs> so to me, it's just like, I don't know. Like to me, I'm okay with that to me. Like that's, that's the kind of compromise where you're deescalating power. You're, you're decentralizing, um, you know, and it's an effective compromise. It's moving the ball in the right direction. But there's a lot of people, some of which who are kind of in our camp, you know, as far as like Austrian, you know, right leaning libertarians who aren't in agreement with that. And I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? Well, it is a tough one. Uh, I, I the thing this is one of those examples where if it's an unlibertarian position to say a state can ban businesses from doing that, from enforcing a vaccine mandate in their business. If this state or uh, if it's not a libertarian position for them, for that, 
for me to support that, then okay. Like that's okay. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. Uh, and criticize me for it. That's fine. I accept criticism for that position. Uh, but the reason I take that, um, that position is because Biden said, we're going to be doing this. We're going, and they haven't done anything yet. Like there is arguments to be made or there are arguments to be made. Pardon me that nothing happened yet, but very clearly because there has no been, there haven't actually been mandates outside of government employees. The whole 100 employee thing hasn't happened. They haven't pushed any legislation through. Um, they haven't really meant they, I mean, you'll have state governments that ma mandate masks be worn indoors. That's, uh, I mean, I guess if, if a if a municipality or a city wanted to make an ordinance that no you can't force people to wear masks in your business because the government the governor said you have to wear a mask in your in people's business like i don't know that's a weird thing but i think when we're talking about injecting something into you that in a lot of people has a I'm trying to play with the words here because I don't want to get nobody in trouble. I don't want to get you in trouble here. I know that um, I don't know what they got taken down for, but I know Tower Gang just had an episode get removed. There's a um, worry that the uh, the cookies will come out looking okay, but uh, you'll eat them and down the road something bad's going to happen. <laughs> well, the point is, is like it's actually something that's being put into you, and I think it's a different level of problem i don't know oh man. yeah it's it, it's different like it's different to it's one thing to force people to say you can't tell people to do this on your private property technically an infringement but like it's not an infringement that's like i don't know like hurting your personal body and like it's just kind of like it, it'd be like if i'm trying to think of a good like comparison it'd be like if someone told me oh if someone's on my property i'm not allowed to ask them which restroom in my house to use to be like, Oh, please use this one instead of this one. Be like, Oh, you're not allowed to do that. I'd be like, okay, that so that's kind of like, know. you don't have the right to tell me to, to do that. But also in comparison to like, well, we did this as a response to like the government giving people the ability to force people to put something in their bodies against their will. It just seems to me like those two violations of property rights are not, on the same zip code, you know? What yeah, I, mean? I think, well, what I'm getting at is I clearly businesses have started to implement these vaccine requirements, whether it be for their employees or for their customers, much more often for their employees, um, which was the thing that Biden said, you're going to, if you have a hundred or more employees, we're going to make an OSHA, we're going to make it an OSHA violation for you not to have, um, for you not to have a, uh, these these mandates vaccine requirements for your employees but clearly a lot of businesses just got ahead of that and started mandating vaccines for their employers that wouldn't have happened had he not done that and even though i know that there's no official mandate there's no legislation like i said earlier there are no laws there's nothing on the books that actually mandate this or require it by the state i still don't i'm not comfortable with the idea that these businesses are acting as if they are responding organically it's clearly not so I, I i get the idea and people have made arguments that are very persuasive that just because the government is forcing a business to act in a certain way that doesn't mean that it's not a property rights violation for another entity to come in and say no you can't do that but i i think i just don't care <laughs> like well, that's, like that's where i'm at it's I, triage I, you know what i mean like well we're, we're at war so like sort of. 
I, I don't yeah. know about like the point is is there's so much it's a state product we're talking about yeah talk all you want about the free market this is not a free this is a state can't product. stand the libertarians who try to or the quote-unquote libertarians who try to say this is a miracle of the free market it's like yeah okay yeah yeah it's not it's not a it's a state it's a government corporatist product that we're talking about here i think that like right off the bat makes me like raise my eyebrows a lot um yeah. because I, but then again somebody else made the comparison to seat belts but again like the, the counter to that is because so for example if it if it is le you're legally required to wear a seat belt in your car in most states i know some states don't have that in most right. states uh so if you get into somebody's car and they say put on your seat belt and you say no he says i don't want to get a ticket which a lot of businesses maybe they want to for enforce the vaccine thing because they don't want to get fined by the government or whatever like it's something that they may foresee in the future that they think they'll have to pay some money whatever it's sort of comparable in terms of consequence and yeah. use of property. But at the end of the day, again, a seatbelt ain't the same thing as it. Like, I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's weird. And it's only like this is completely different than like, Hey, this experimental medical thing, put it in your body now. Yeah. And I don't know. <laughs> and also it's it like, so like, you know, and I've tried to be as um, like, I'm always trying to argue both sides and try to be as like the steel man, my opponent. And like I've tried to steel man the pro vaccine position. I've tried the research why people think the vaccine is safe and effective, and I've tr I've even tried to be like, okay, let me remove my bias. Let me be as unbiased as I can be. Especially after my dad got COVID, I was like, let me be as unbiased as I can be. If the government was not involved, and there was no political, you know, like drama and and uh, entanglement here would i get the vaccine like is it a good thing that's just being weaponized by an evil government and you know like i i try even when i was trying to be as open-minded and pro-vaccine as i could i was like you know this isn't even just like asking people to do something once they're talking about <laughs> you're gonna have to keep getting booster shots every six months or so so it's not yeah. even like, it's like a subscription like you know like you can only have rights if you subscribe to this ongoing, you know, every six months, you know, stick a needle in your arm. It's just like, I, I just, so there, there's that, there's that element of it too. And it's like, yeah, like seatbelts are like, you shouldn't force someone to wear a seatbelt, but it's like, again, it's just, I don't know. Like there's just, I guess it's like my mentality is like, I don't want to sweat the small stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I get it. it it's like, you know, the, it, but the vaccine to me is not a small thing. It's a, it's a very big thing. Um, I, and you know what? I just kind of thought of a little mental exercise, a little philosophical problem. Is like if you have a, I mean, this is where I uh, <clears throat> two, two two examples of this is I actually put a poll on Twitter the other day. I muted it immediately because it was getting so many responses, so many so many comments. But I said, is it a property rights violation to go into a business or an establishment without a mask on if they have a sign that says "mask required"? And uh, I think yes. I think if the owner that's a rule the owner has said. If the owner says you need to wear a mask to come into this building, uh, then and and I walk and I walk in there without a mask, that's a property rights violation. But I don't care. I don't care that I'm violating that guy's property uh, rights or property rules or whatever. I don't care about that, and I'm okay with that. And if you say I'm not a libertarian for that, whatever. Some people said no, it's not a property rights violation because the state is forcing you to uh, to to have these mandates or to have to have these masks. Well, if the state's not, then that's kind of out of the window. But also, other people were saying, 
well, if they're not stopping you from walking in without a mask and they clearly don't care. Well, I say to that, what if the, what if the owner is not around to enforce it and none of the employees feel like it's worth it to enforce it? And to that, I got responded, well, it's not, it's not the customer's job to make sure that the employees are enforcing his rules. And to, to that, I didn't reply to this, but to that, my response would be, if I, that, that doesn't make it not a property rights violation because the guy had employees that wouldn't enforce the rules he set for his property. The rule is still the rule. You have to have a mask on. If the owner can't enforce that rule, that doesn't mean that it's not a rights viol a property rights violation for people to be breaking that rule. So I am of the opinion that yes, it is. And Bert Neil Connor Mover, who actually just recently deactivated, of course, like he's like he does every month or two. His reply to that was yes, but who gives a shit? Which I said that is objectively the correct answer. Yes, but who gives a shit? Um, so that's one thing I would posit. Like, is that which I, I, I you have my answer to that. The other thing I would ask is. If a business requires you to have a vaccination to get into their establishment, what if you have a counterfeit card? What if you know a guy and they put you in the database? Like, for example, if they come, I know some places in the world are making where you have to have a QR code on your phone and it's an actual database. What if you know a guy, you get a fake card, you get a, a bogus, they put it, they type in a couple things and you're in the system. Well, I would say, yeah, that's a property rights violation, but I would guarantee you that the vast majority of the people who think that it's wrong to ban these businesses from mandating this vaccine for their employees and customers would say that's a thing that they should address themselves. And I think that that's incorrect, meaning meaning that's something that they need to account for. And I don't agree with that. If they have a rule and somebody's breaking that rule, that's still a property rights violation. So my question, is, and this is again, this is me. This is like clearly hypothetical. This is clearly me kind of spitballing and I could be wrong about what I'm assuming these other people's answers would be. But if they're okay with you going into an establishment without a vaccination with a fake card, I think that's still a property rights violation. So why are you okay with that property rights violation and not the rights violation that the state would inflict on them by banning them from acquiring a vaccine in the first place? Now, that would be obviously a question I would ask to those specific people that have that opinion. And we're not there yet, and hopefully we never get there. But I I would consider it a property rights violation. But I don't give a shit. Again, I, yes, but who gives a shit? <laughs> You're muted, buddy. Yeah, I guess I have. It's a shame that Jose wasn't able to make it because I actually had this conversation with him uh, a while back. But um, you know, I, I feel like my conception of property rights is that it's it's a bit more Sterner esque, where it's like. If you want somebody to respect a rule, you know, on your property or to respect something that's not, I don't know, like universally self-evident about property rights. Like, obviously, you don't need to put a sign on your something, say, don't steal it for people to just like, it's a natural, like, you know, if it's not yours and you take yeah. it, that's theft. No one needs to spell that out for you. But like, if I come into a house and you have a rule that's like, take your shoes off and I don't I was, do it. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like. Well, if nobody told me to do it and then I leave and then you yell at me the next day, like, oh, you, you know, I'm going to not be friends with you anymore. I'm going to take you to to uh, some kind of like weird civil court because you got dirt on my carpet. I'm going to have to get it steam cleaned or I don't know, like well, something the, silly the like that. Here's the thing. The comparison I would make to what I was talking about earlier is if you say, take off your shoes when you come into my house and you're not home and they say, hey, like, say your neighbor 
had to sign up, sign for a package for you. And you say, oh, okay, there's a key in the garage. Just put it on my kitchen table. And they walk in with their shoes on and you somehow find out. Just because you weren't there to enforce it does not mean that it's not a property rights violation for them to walk into your house without shoe- with, with their shoes on. I know it's a weird way to say property rights violation, like you're walking in somebody's place with shoes, but ultimately they're breaking a rule that you have set for your property that you own. So I guess that's the the most generic I, way we can put it, right? Yeah, I guess I just disagree with you a little bit there because I, I think to me like there has to be – for those things that aren't self-evident – there is an onus on the private property owner, I think, to have an effective enforcement mechanism. Because otherwise, to me, I guess it'd be a slippery slope to be like, oh, well, just because it's too much like when people are like, well, just because you didn't know the rule doesn't mean that you don't get in trouble for breaking it. You know what I mean? It's like, I think there needs to be. And well, it's then, not about so not be... knowing the rule. I think in both in all the situations I'm talking about, they know the rule. And the okay. person who who is saying who's the person who set the rule is not there to actually enforce it. Just because you're not there to enforce a rule doesn't mean it's not bad. If you break that rule, I I, I understand the sterner. Yeah. Like, so if you tell the guy, bring the package on, put it on my kitchen table, you got to walk through the hallway in the living room to get to the kitchen. So he, so in your situation, take your shoes off. Yeah. And he, and he knows, right. I, I think in all these hypotheticals I'm throwing out there, the person who is breaking the rule knows that they are breaking a rule, whether they care or not is another issue. But yeah, that just to, just to clear that up. I guess it's, you know, what's probably muddied here is that if like if I knew like if I was going into your home and you told me ahead of time that you like, you know, hey, please take your shoes off before we come inside. And then like I come to your house another time and I remember that that's like your rule and I don't do it. I would probably agree with you. That's a violation. It's a bit more muddier when you're talking about an employer who's using employees to enforce it. And then especially in the context of it's an employer using his employees to enforce it, but it wasn't even the employer's idea in the first place. It, the, the, the government came in and, and muddied the waters by putting out the mandates. And it becomes, there's just so much state coercion entangled into that, that picture and then less personalized interactions. Cause like in the first interaction, it's like you to me and I can't go, Oh, uh, Nick, I didn't know. You know what I mean? It's like, I know you and you asked me, not yeah. to do it. And I clearly didn't do it. But I kind of, you know, the, I have used that argument that you cited where it's like in the context of where the state is mandating the businesses to put out those signs saying that you're supposed to wear a mask before you come in. Um, my approach has been, okay, if a person that owns a, a business or something actually cares about people wearing masks, they will do more than just put up a sign because the sign was required by the state. So to me, that's not enough proof that the private property owner actually wants it. There has to be something else, like at the very least, a confrontation between me and the employee and me and the employer, uh, or either or, where they say, please put your mask on or we're going to ask you to leave. Now, if the employer wants it, but the employee fails to do it, I don't think I actually violated the property rights. It would probably actually be more accurate to say the employee did. So if you have an employer Maybe, that says, yeah. yeah, if an employer wants the employees to enforce a rule about people wearing masks and the employees don't, I don't think you can hold the customers responsible. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, think that's you'd have to, I think you'd have to hold the employees more responsible uh, in that scenario. Um, but yeah, I do think in general, there has to be, for, for things that aren't self-evident, there needs to be some kind of reasonable enforcement mechanism uh, 
you know, for, for it to be before you could consider it a rights violation. And it just becomes messy when the state gets involved. Oh, and, and let me all... let me say, too, I don't want people thinking I'm some sort of lulbert. Like, I am all for, well, I'm not for this because technically this might be not exactly legal, but I... I'm not saying you should go to Target in a red button-down shirt and start taking down signs and that say mass required. Like, I'm not saying you should do that. Like, don't get a Target name tag and don't tell the customers and the but, employees um, you're from corporate taking down the, hey, guys, straight from corporate. No more masks. No more employees. But I'm not telling you not to do it. Yeah, I, I'm not saying to do that. Or go to Walmart with the blue button down and do the same thing. Don't do that. Definitely don't go to Walmart and tell the people behind the cashier's desk or the, 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 serve the registers to take off the mask because it's fine and to take down the signs <laughs> at the door. Like, don't do that. You know, I, I'm only saying it in those way in that way so it's clearly uh, plausible deniability. You know that right. already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, I'm I'm all for that. Like, I I don't I. Clearly, I'm just. I, this is just philosophical shit that I'm yeah. running through my head to to to, to formulate counter arguments to the people that disagree with me about the states banning vaccine mandates in anticipation of the federal mandates. Right now, the so other that's the all other, that is. Yeah, the other element here, though, because uh, like, let's say I wasn't able to come up with any defense that, like, at the end of the day, I had to take your stance where it's like, uh, yeah, it's a violation of property rights, and I don't care. I think there are instances where it is okay to violate somebody's property rights if there is a greater harm that comes from abiding by the request of the private property owner. Like, because tyranny can come from private actors. Tyranny doesn't just come from the state. And I think that's like a that's a classic Lalbert move where it's like mm -hmm. anything that's it's a private company, bro. You know what I mean? Like clearly evil can can be promulgated by people who aren't acting with state authority and one can envision like I, I don't think this is likely but it's not impossible that in a fully uh ancap private property society that there could be some private business that decides to like hey we hate jews and we're gonna go and try to genocide them and one can envision some kind of weird contract scenario where like you know i, I can't like you know in live time give you the exact scenario but you can probably imagine some scenario where you would be in a position where like okay to in, to abide by this person by the the property right to abide by some contract you're supposed to give up the location of uh, a friend of yours who's jewish yeah like, no i would like like well, it, I think it, that a lot I mean, of people would I think that like you probably have to talk to somebody who's a legitimate like legal scholar like Kinsella or somebody like that. But I would think that they would argue that that's not a legitimate contract. True, there might be. Well, I'm, I'm just trying to think like there might be some, I don't know, loophole or like, I don't know. And it, 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 when you talk about like a fully private society, it then becomes very murky as to like, you know, who um i guess like the market would dictate what contracts are valid and which ones aren't you know and there could be more subtle ways where like maybe it's not fully maybe take genocide off the table because that probably just makes it clear like well you know killing somebody is a bigger violation of property rights than anything else but let's say it's something different let's say it's like uh you know some kind of like unfair uh un unjust discrimination where it's like I don't know if I was an employee, if I was an employee at some place that told me I wasn't allowed to do business with somebody who was Jewish or somebody of a certain religion or race or whatever, um, I would risk getting fired and say, yeah, screw your private property rights. 
and and still you know what i mean like do business with that person if i especially like if i was like working somewhere like as a mechanic right you know what i mean like people need their cars to live and if i worked for some kind of like i don't know uh corporate chain you know, like some kind of like uh goodyear or something like that and uh the goodyear i worked at said we will not you know like, and it's it's completely um you know upholdable in a private property sense to say that the right of the private property owner is to, they can discriminate against anyone they want and they can be like you know uh, we're not going to serve people of color here or we're not going to serve uh anyone who's christian or anyone who's who's muslim or whatever any arbitrary thing and you know say the owner's out that day and i'm in charge and somebody comes in from that group not supposed to serve i would probably say yeah you know fuck your private property rights i'm gonna do business with them because they need their car fixed and you know we're gonna make money from it and if i get fired it's like whatever i'll accept the consequences but i guess what i'm trying to get at is and this is something that some austrian libertarians would have disagreed with me on but it's like I do think there, I don't know, some do and some don't, but there is definitely some higher morality or higher ethic that goes beyond private property rights. And I think that's what, you know, we're, we're trying to get at here, which is that like, there are, there are sometimes I think things that happen in life, and I'm not saying they're common everyday occurrences, but just there are times where the right thing to do will come with some kind of like, it, it's not going to be perfectly in line with you know the, the austrian uh conception of of private property rights uh i i just think and it can be hard to think of examples of it it's easier when you're imagining a state involvement but that's kind of easy but i just think at the end of the day i'm more concerned about doing the right thing no matter what than i am about like oh am i being the perfect libertarian 100 percent of the time um, I, I care more about people than I do about my like ideological purity, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think where people go wrong is that they say that they, some like, this is a valid criticism of some of the people who have recently come out. I'm not going to pick on any particular group because I don't want to mischaracterize or mislabel anybody, but there's some people who seem to have, seem to think that everything you just said, which I agree with, that means we abandon the nap. It's like, no, that just means you have a line you're willing to cross if it comes to that. So like, for example, if I had a friend who was about to jump off of a bridge, I would so tackle that son of a bitch. That's a better is, example. Yeah. Right. To keep yeah. him from jumping. That may be a nap violation, but I don't care. I don't want my friend to die. I think it's the right thing to do to keep him from killing himself. It's his body. He could do what he want with it. Or for example, like using drugs. Like I would, I would absolutely could see myself like violating the nap to stop my friend from using heroin, like stealing his stash or something, right? Like something like that. So it's like, yeah, of course. But that all that doesn't mean that the nap is useless. That doesn't mean that we should stop worrying about it and, and disregard it. All that means is that's a line that I'm willing to cross. I'm willing to commit those aggressions and because that's that that's just my me as a person. So the nap isn't an axiom, it's a guideline. Uh and and I do recognize that look, if I do if I have a friend who's about to jump off a bridge and I tackle him and I break his arm, okay, well, I'm responsible for breaking his arm. I'm responsible for the damage I did to his body. I'm responsible for that nail restitution or whatever the term is, uh, or stealing the person's stash. Like maybe I do owe him some money for stealing his drugs, but in my mind, it's worth it because 
you know, the, the, the restitution I have to pay to him is worth it because, well, I stopped you from killing yourself or I stopped you from damaging your body even further than it already is. Like, you, you know, so I think those are good examples of what we're talking about here where you're willing to break the nap or, or, or commit aggression upon somebody who hasn't done anything ethically wrong because whatever reasons you may have. Uh, but that does not mean we say F the nap. <laughs> like, I think that's so stupid. Right. And I, yeah. I also do think that some people have mischaracterized other people. Like, I think that a lot of folks um, think that there are other people that are saying we should have been to the nap who are not actually saying that. Some of the people who are being characterized in that way, it seems to me all they're saying is it's not enough. And we kind of what we just said here, like there are, there are times when it's difficult to parse out whether something is aggression or not. There are times when you kind of got to go with your gut. There are times when maybe you are committing an act of aggression, but it's maybe okay in the, in the big picture, because what I just like, you know, you're stopping someone from committing suicide, take a, take an example like that and apply it to other things. Um, so I, there, there has been a lot of misunderstanding, straw manning and all kind of crap among all these different groups of people who are kind of come out over the past year. Uh, and, a lot of it isn't helpful. I think the most helpful thing for people to do is have conversations like Dave and Andrew had on Pete's show. And it, I mean, and, and, and if you're not interested in it, then stop taking swipes at everybody else and just do your own thing. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's completely spot on. You know, someone had a comment earlier on that kind of highlights this too, which was like something, I guess that Spooner said, like advocating for kidnapping slavers, beating them and burning down their property. Like, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I'd probably break private property rights to free slaves and shit. You know what I mean? If I was alive during the time where the slave trade was still going on, like, absolutely, I'd break private. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I would steal, let's say, like, slavery existed today. I would uh, break into a plantation's uh, facility. Like, I would even steal one of their cars or their trucks to help the, the slave. It'd be like, oh. And you know, maybe the insurance companies and the DROs come after me and whatever. It's like, oh, you stole that guy's car. And I get in trouble. It's like, okay, yeah, I stole his car. You're right. That was a violation of property rights. But I don't regret it. Like, it was yeah. still the right thing to do to, you know, free those slaves who were being held in captivity. So it's like, I don't know, there's just, there's, there's a, there's just a greater ethic, I guess. And it's like, I don't want, I don't want to be a slave to my principles where I become ineffective in the world. You know what I mean? It's like, uh if your principles it's something jose said before that i really like it's like if you're if your principles make you useless in the world and make you weak and ineffective like get get better principles <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah, uh, yeah. exactly <laughs> but uh i don't but fortunately i don't think it's really in i don't think it's in super conflict with the nap and i don't think that no it's, i don't either and I, I don't think that the, the nap should be abandoned i just think that some people need to be less hyper autistic about <laughs> about their approach to libertarian philosophy, I guess. Do you know the demographic you're talking about right now? <laughs> I, I'm probably part <laughs> of that. Dem I've never been formally diagnosed, but uh, I haven't either. But I just I mean, I think the problem talk about autism. We know what we mean, but it's just like, yeah, maybe we need a diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I have ADHD and I know there's a lot of overlap people who have ADHD often are also uh, there's like an overlap there with with being on the spectrum of, of sorts. But I don't know. I just don't feel like spending the money to go to a doctor to have him give me some formal diagnosis. And it's like, I don't know, whatever I have, I already know I'm, you know, not 
Yeah. <laughs> and then try to, try, to pump, try to pump you full of medicine that makes you a zombie. <laughs> oh, dude, I mean, I, I tried medicine for my ADHD, but uh, yeah, it was it was the, the worst. I mean, first they put me on Adderall, which I was like, I mean, at first it was like, cool, but then it was like, okay, this stuff is like fucking speed. Yeah. And then my body adjusted to it. Then they were like, okay, increase the dose. And then I was like, oh, okay. All right. That's, uh, that's bad. We're going to stop this because <laughs> this is going to keep on escalating until the point where like i'm on like you know like like you know just completely like i was like getting the shakes i remember like i and i was like talking to my doctor and uh, personal pet peeve like i i have a especially after what's happened with my dad over the past month like i have a renewed skepticism and sort of like beef with a lot of the medical industry and doctors oh, yeah. and nurses absolutely but like my doctor was literally looking at me and like my hand was like twitching like like this and i was like i've this never happened to me before. Is this from the meds? And they were like, eh, probably not. I was like, <laughs> okay. Then I went to a different doctor and they, instead of giving me the Adderall, gave me uh, Ritalin, which wasn't as bad, but it actually kind of like, so like you kind of said, makes you like a zombie. That's what Ritalin did to me. It made me feel like I was having an out of body experience, but all day long. It Whoa. was like, yeah, it was like, like, you weren't quite, you weren't quite in control of it. Exactly. It yeah. was like, it was like, I was more like watching a movie of me doing things. And like, I had kind of control, but it was like only partial control. And like, it was like playing a video game where it's like, I'm controlling myself, but it's not me doing the things. I'm just pressing the buttons and watching what happens. I didn't like it. So I, I stopped, I stopped doing medication and, uh actually got i actually went into counseling specifically i found a counselor i was like all right got diagnosed with adhd i need to get you know this was like a couple years ago this was like 2019 and i was like i need to get my house in order i, I had just read like jordan peterson's book and so like i was really like trying to get my own personal life in order and like get a handle on some personal things and a lot of i a lot of what i was struggling with was just like i was not good at focusing on things and, and finishing things i would start a lot of different things and not finish any of them. And I wasn't well organized and I wasn't very productive. And so I went to counseling for a year and my counselor helped me to come up with like natural ways of just like, you know, little tiny things, but just helped me to kind of like incrementally change my lifestyle to where now it's like, I don't like my ADHD isn't like life altering altering in any significant way like i kind of it's it's funny like when people talk about like weaponized autism that's basically what my counselor taught me to do he was like recognize <laughs> channel like, it into something yeah. productive right it was like yeah. they're like your brain's wired this way if you're not going to change the wiring then you just have to know how to use your own particular you know neuroses to your advantage and so that's what i've learned how to do so um pretty yeah, blunt I, but very true yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. So, um, who, what someone said something about Kinsella. It's like Kinsella puts it morality and libertarian legal principles as an overlapping, uh, Venn diagram. Oh, that's grammatically triggering me. Is an overlapping, lapping Venn diagrams. Like it should, and I it think Venn diagram and over, you don't have to say overlapping. Yeah. That's a little redundant. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm being sorry. very nitpicky here. I'm sorry. You can be immoral within your rights. The moral thing might violate rights. Yeah. And mm -hmm. like to me, that's self-evident. I feel like sometimes the more, you know, like to me as a Christian, especially, it's self-evident. Sometimes I feel like the non-religious types uh, push back against that a bit more. At least that's my experience. But 
um i don't know maybe maybe it just makes intuitive sense to me because like i guess i sort of tier things and it's like i'm a christian first and then i'm like a husband and a father and Mm. then i'm a libertarian it's like i mean i care a lot about libertarianism and the philosophy and and the activism don't get me wrong but like that that takes a backseat to both like being like my, my my faith and then also like my family like i'm not going to let my family suffer for the sake of like being a pure libertarian like it's just kind of a you know i don't want to look back at my life and be like ah, oh, you know my my family suffered and i didn't live well for for god and a lot of shitty things happened and i did nothing but man never violated the nap that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I made a tweet about this the other day where I was like, I'm I'm much more like interested and worried about being known as a good husband, friend, yeah. son, uncle, brother, etc., neighbor, whatever. I'm much more interested in that and, and and more worried about being known as a good that person than I am. Oh, shut up, <laughs> Rick Astley. <laughs> then I am, and, and and then I am worried about being known as a good libertarian or ANCAP or whatever the hell that I am, I think is what I said. Oh, yes, yeah. that's, that's exactly right. Like, and this is part of the reason, which I guess is probably a good, I don't mean to like force a segue, but it is a good jumping off point into like what I've kind of been doing lately is just been focusing on more uh, not self-improvement, but starting to get your priorities in order and understanding what you can control and change. Uh, for, for example, the first episode I did to kick this off was with Travis, who has been in the chat all, all this show. We did an episode talking about going to the gym because Travis is a fitness guy. Um, and you know, uh, I've been doing some things where I'm trying to raise some money for charities because I think it's a good thing and it's a it's a thing that I can do to make an impact. Like I'm using my following for a good cause, right? Rather than yeah, just awesome. being being worried about continuing to do shows and and talk about uh, I don't know, man, meet meet cool people and all. That's all great, but ultimately, what I feel like I'm able to do on an individual level to impact the world around me and to make the world a better place than I left it is to try to do what I'm doing now is to try to get people going in the right direction and right direction is subjective. I know, but like in a general sense, you guys know what I mean? Like in the right direction to kind of understanding what's important in their life to take control of that. And then the good things typically follow from that when you just do the right thing and be good to the people around you, whether it's your family or your neighbors or your friends or whoever. Uh, So I think that's something that people need to be focused on because what we were just talking about earlier, that's all important. Like all the theory and whether X, Y, or Z is a property rights violation or whether this person violated the NAP or committed aggression or whatever, that's all important. When all you do is talk about those things, it's real easy to kind of get lost in that conversation and forget like at the end of the day, we're all human beings who live on this mortal plane and we need to be doing right by the people around us. That's the most important yeah. thing, in my opinion, is doing right by the people around you uh, and doing right by yourself too. taking care of yourself, eating at least relatively healthy, going to the gym or doing something to take care of your body. Like So doing right by the people around you and yourself, that comes first. And it's easy to forget about that if you're only talking about this theory stuff, which, like I said, that's not discounting how important it is. But I think that it's more that's a testament to how important it is to do right by other people is that it's even more important than that stuff. Right. So that's what I'm trying to focus on at this point. Oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, your your principles should inspire you to action. And, you know, I know, like for me, being a Christian and a libertarian, like I care a lot about 
you know, voluntarism and about like, you know, knowing how much the state wrecks people's lives and how much the state social safety nets are pathetic. I mean, it's like funny. It's like I saw a meme the other day that was like, hey, the, the state shut down the your, the economy for over a year. And like, you know, we, people were who even people who are making like 30,000 a year, you know, what I mean, like if they didn't work or weren't able to go to work, like they didn't get their income. And the government was just like, hey, we cost you like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. It's like you're 600 bucks. It's like, yeah, that's that's, uh, you know, they they were they, they did a calculation. Like even if you had this many kids and you got all three stimulus packages, it's like the government gave you this much money, but cost you this much money and that's not even accounting for inflation the and the destruction of the supply chains and and all the like i'm sure like you're a mechanic like me the supply chain right now is so screwed up getting parts right now is an absolute miserable time i mean it it was it was worse earlier on uh in like 2020 uh it started to get a little better but it's still like every week I'll go to order parts for one vehicle or another. And it's just like random parts that you never would have thought would be back ordered. It's just like, Oh, we don't have any oil filters this week for, for, for Mitsubishi's or, or Ford's. It's just like, Oh, cool. But yeah, I, I never work on those. Meanwhile, like, you know, 10 in my lot <laughs> at one point in time. So it's just like, you know, it's like, <laughs> so the government causes all this, this chaos and havoc and, and yeah, there's people who are really hurting. Um, you know, my dad's been in the hospital for over a month. He's not working. My stepmom's not working, you know, so they're missing out on income and stuff. And there's so many people going through so many hardships. And yeah, like you said, theory is important, but, uh, you know, theory isn't going to put food on the table unless you're Tom yeah. Woods, like, unless you're Tom Woods. <laughs> well, yeah, theory, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Like, and <laughs> I don't, I don't want people to think like that. This isn't me saying we don't need, we need people that are that that good at that we need our tom woods and yeah and you know dave smiths and guys like that who because obviously a lot of us myself i i wouldn't be a libertarian if it weren't for people who are professing the ideas to the public like i i wouldn't i i don't think i'd be here right now uh, yeah, so that either. stuff is very important but uh i'm just hoping to kind of help people reel in like and understand and be realistic and prioritize and, and obviously like some people that's their that's their calling to do that like that's totally fine but i don't think it is most people's calling i think most people's calling is is more common like it's it's more it's being like i said i think the number one thing you can do to make an impact on the world is to just be a good person and do right by your family and friends and help other people to your to your abilities you know oh and there's something about like when you put good out into the world it also like comes back to you and like you know like my so my dad's been going through this this you know being in the hospital being on a ventilator he's out of commission but my dad was a pastor and a missionary for like decades like pretty much as long as i can remember going back and all the like outreach he did into the community even are you like, hearing that noise I don't hear anything. No. Okay, good, good. Because the yeah. neighbors, my window's open. The neighbors outdoor, the, the AC just kicked on. And I just, I wanted to make sure it wasn't coming through on the show. No, the nice thing about these uh, SM7Bs is like they pick up nothing in the background. I love them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, so my dad, you know, has spent, I mean, I, I don't know. There's no way I could count how much, uh, you know, 
as far as time and money he's invested in in his missionary work and in planning churches and you know doing like he's built orphanages and and uh widow uh like like women's shelters and children's shelters in Africa and stuff yeah and so like and then then this happens and you know the financial situation for him gets rough but like I started to go fund me and put it out to like his circles and stuff. And people start, I mean, immediately putting money in people in the libertarian circles and stuff that I'm connected to immediately started putting money in because it's like, you know, it's like you, you, you kind of, it's that Christian principle, right? Like you reap what you sow. If like all you ever do is sort of like intrinsically focus on yourself, you fall on hard times. You're going to be kind of lonely and isolated. It's going to be hard. Uh, mm. But you know, there's, there's something uh very important about like taking care of uh was like what jesus said like you know what you've done to the least of these you've done unto me and you know, there's something very important about that uh you know very christian tradition of 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 doing that of of you know donating to charities of which is you know and so yeah i commend you for doing that it's like that you know, honestly you know talking about theory running uh for office you know all these ideas that we we're talking about, they can help spread the message. But what can really help spread the message is, you know, when somebody, you know, let's say like their their house for like this is a common thing I see around the area I live. Like people's houses fall into disrepair, and the the, lo the local state is going to basically kick them out of their house if they can't get like a roof fixed or something with the foundation fixed, and they don't have the money for it. If a church or a local libertarian you know, community leader or someone organized a fundraiser to help people like that when they fall on hard times to like, or even if it's not money, it's like, Hey, let's find somebody in our community who knows how to do that work. And they'll right. donate their time over a few weekends to help get it done and stuff. It's like, you know, there's, there's something like, like as much as, you know, we're, we have to, I think sometimes some libertarians, we get so hyper-focused on criticizing the welfare state and the nanny state that we forget like, you know, welfare and mutual aid are not bad things. It's just bad to do them through the state, but we should do them as people. And honestly, if if we want to convince people that you don't need the state to do those things, we need to kind of like, we shouldn't like, oh, we're going to sit in our ass and do nothing until the state goes away. No, we need to go out there now and show people that volunteerism works. There is something to be said for putting your money where your mouth is. Exactly. And yep. yeah, if you're if you're preaching that we need to end the welfare state and you're and you're out there helping people, whether it's helping folks get food, helping people get medical treatment, helping people rebuild their houses that got beat up in a hurricane or a storm or whatever it may be, anything that you could think of that's charitable work or acts. If you're doing that stuff at the same time as preaching, we should end the welfare state. That means that message means yes. a lot more to the people who are receiving it than if you're just sitting at a computer saying it and you don't you don't actually ever do anything about it. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like if that's and that's part of the reason I'm doing the stuff that I'm doing is because, like, obviously, I think I really enjoyed helping out causes and I really do enjoy helping out people. And it it really like I can't. Joni just put it in the chat there, but we donated yes. oh, yeah. $750. And that was in in 10 days. We raised $615. So some of that's our money, Joni and I's money, uh, that we that we put in there too. The the VP of Living Beyond Breast Cancer emailed me 
and said, we want re- we want to recognize you for this donation. What what happened here? Like, why did you donate this much money? So, like, to, I woke up. I didn't wake up to that email. It was at, like, quarter to ten. I'm not that lazy. But, like, that was one of the things that started out my day was checking my email. And I saw that from the, L, the Living Beyond Breast Cam- uh, Cancer vice president. Uh, that's the charity we donated to, if it wasn't already obvious. It's like, wow, like that's, and that wasn't, I mean, that was obviously like me, but it was like, it was the community. It was everybody that voluntarily gave their money. Everybody that tuned into the stupid streams that I do, whether it was me playing guitar or getting terrified playing scary video games. Like that's, I did something and we, we did something like the people that, and and it, it just makes me feel so good that that was something that we were able to do. And we're, we're on it now, dude. Like we're, we're going to keep on going right now we're we got a thing up, uh, for epilepsy foundation, epilepsy, uh, November is epilepsy awareness month. And I've got a, a very close friend of mine. She's like a sister to me who has epilepsy, a cousin of Joni's who she's also very close to that. They may as well have grown up sisters. They grew up sort of grew up together. So they're very close to, and a, a wife of a, of a friend of ours. I'm going to tell you off air. I'm pretty sure he said it before, but I'm not going to say it and just blow it up like that. But a wife of a, a, a mutual buddy of ours uh, is, is also epileptic. So November is epilepsy awareness month. And there are people in my life who were affected by it. Just said, hell, how about that? That's a good cause for it. Uh, so we got to go fund me. I just said a modest goal of a thousand dollars. Cause I thought like, that's an attainable thing. It's already at 470 bucks. I opened the thing yesterday. Yeah. So people in this community are so supportive in giving and they really want to do good for other people. I, I genuinely believe that. And, uh, and that there's proof like that we're, we're over, we're almost halfway to a goal in, in a day in, in, in less than, I don't even know if it's been up for 24 hours at this point yet. It probably has been maybe a little bit more, but yeah, like it, and it's beautiful and it makes me damn near choke up like that. It's that it's so, that it's so, you know, it's, that is so awesome. Yeah, that really is, you know, uh, amazing. And, you know, it's a, um, you know, it's a testimony to how many good, good hearted people there are out there. And I know oh, it's yeah. like, you know, sometimes it, it's, and it's, you know, it, it's often tough, like, uh, to kind of like, it's like two things are true at the same time. And it's like, you know, sometimes as libertarians, we can sometimes focus about, like how like we're we're talking about evil people in the state and we can talk about how bad it is that you know like we're talking about how bad democracy is and how bad it is that people are trying to control one another and we can focus on a lot of the negative aspects of humanity and you know obviously as a christian who believes in the sinful nature of people there's plenty to criticize but there's also part of human like i don't think humans are like wholly inherently bad or wholly inherently good like we're obviously capable of both and a lot of us just personally like we're we're mixtures of both throughout our lives yeah but there are there are uh, are this is like one of the examples of the the you know the amazing virtue and the amazing good that humans are capable of of doing being brought out to the the forefront uh and being put on display and you know human it's like so it's a it's another aspect here that that uh you know preaches our principles puts our you know uh our our principles into actual praxis which is important uh to be like you know uh not it's like when people it's like when we rely on people coercing others we get nowhere and society gets worse and evil gets gets perpetuated and multiplied yes but when we rely on the goodwill 
and 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 that people just for people to have goodwill towards their fellow human being and no one's forcing them to do it amazing things happen and if that's not like uh, a big heaping white pill for the ideas of that we you know the the ideas of liberty then i don't know what is yeah absolutely and and i think like to touch on that a little bit more is that the the state really has intentionally so so people rely on it more but the state really has perverted uh your you rhetorically not you specifically jacob but your your relationship with your fellow man uh uh and it's it's intentional it's an evil institution that doesn't want you to have connection with your neighbors because they want them to go to the state to to, to if they if they need something if they need some help well if you don't have a state doing that and the way to eliminate that is to do what we're doing here you know i think i think uh, obviously like you can't just eliminate the state, but I think a step, a big step in the right direction is to show people that volunteerism works. Right. Uh, and that, I think that doing that kind of stuff will help establish a stronger sense of community, which the stronger your community is, the weaker the state can be, uh, the weaker the state will be because you don't Absolutely. need them. And yeah. if you're like, we're not even talking, you don't have to proselytize Austrian economics and you don't have to have your people read Rothbard or whatever. They know it. It's just in their heart. Like, yeah, we got these good folks around us. We don't need to worry about the government. We don't need to call, you know, FEMA, whatever. Pick a, pick a stupid government organization that does shit when things go bad. They don't have to worry about that. And they know it. They'll know it in their heart and in their head that, that that's just what it is. And because people are showing them that that's what it is. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's a really good way to help to break people's relationship to the state, you have to help establish a relationship with them as a person. Uh, and I think that's something that's kind of been missing from the conversation about what we talked about earlier, the theory and all the stuff like that. Like, I think that what you can do to help with that is to just establish a connection with your neighbors, help, help them out. Uh, give them, if you grow food, bring them some food, you know, things, things like that. Yeah, no, hundred percent agree. Um, yeah. Like the, uh, garbage main just echoed what you said which is private property is ingrained in the american ethos i think it's not even just american i just think that i think if people are left to their own devices they just like there's that natural law that's kind of like ingrained i think in people and i think i think you're very much right that i think the state has perverted uh through incentive structures and through coercion that they've that they've put onto society they perverted the natural social cooperation that would exist in in a free market that yes um that i mean has existed in, in america actually in, in the past when you go back and look at it and they they have to they have to teach a completely revisionist i mean you know i mean i was part of why like i was a lefty when i got out of high school was that like i mean i was really victimized by the uh uh the public education system and taught such a like you know completely revisionist history about uh america about capitalism about about freedom and and just you know all, all these different things you know and um and like i thought i was really because like i was in honors classes i took i was taking like ap history my sophomore year because like i was in advance like i i went into mechanics because i was at least smart enough to know that college was a lot of wasted money and i was like oh i'm a good mechanic so i'd rather do that but like I could have easily gone to college. I was in honor classes and in advanced placement classes all throughout uh, my my schooling career. So it, it wasn't a lack of that. It was just like 
I didn't want to go to college. I didn't want to go into any kind of like high career that involved a four year or eight year degree or anything like that. Um, I just wanted to enter the workplace and start my life. So, um, but yeah, because I was, I feel like sometimes it's better if people are like, um, not, um, uh, in those advanced placement classes. Like if you're like, if you don't care or you're not in those classes, uh, and paying attention, you'll get less proper propagandized. <laughs> so there, there's, there's something to that there, but yeah, definitely, um, the state, uh, you know, has their hand in, in many different areas to, to, to make us think that we need them and that yeah. they make it to where we can't imagine life without the state. And the more we can push back against that, the better. So um, uh, we're running a little bit long here, so we're going to have to come to a close. But uh, thanks again, Nick, for coming on. Uh, uh, take a minute quick to to plug uh, your channel where people can come check you out and the uh, uh, those, those streams that you're doing. Sure. I think if you're here, you know where I'm at, uh, at Nick underscore individual on Twitter. The, the GoFundMe I just mentioned earlier is the pinned tweet of my uh, profile. Um, I was actually taught a trick. You don't put the link in the tweet you're promoting. You put it in a reply because Twitter deboosts links sometimes. So it's actually in a reply to the pinned tweet of my profile. But close enough. I guess I went on a – I lose on a technicality, but that's close enough, right? right. Uh, my YouTube channel is Nick Ashley. If you search that on YouTube, you'll find the channel real quick. I think some of the things are episodes of shows that I've done that are on YouTube right now. But uh, – my channel is just Nick Ashley. We're, that's where I do my streams at, whether it's going to be music or lately we've been playing Resident Evil 7. And uh, my epilepsy folks, uh, Courtney, uh, my friend's wife, love you guys. Uh, Lauren, I love you. You guys know um, we're doing this for you guys. And anybody out there that's suffering with it, I, I mean, I put a whole spiel in the GoFundMe description. It's a very strange, complex disorder of the brain, which is our most strange yeah. and complex organ. Um, and it's, it's, it sucks, man. It hurts. And, and it, my, it's, uh, it my daughter, people's... we thought my daughter had epilepsy for a while yeah. because she had, well, she got really sick and then started having really bad seizures for like a week. Oof. And so that she had, got, she got tested for it and like, luckily she didn't, but, um, it really like, you know, so I can empathize, uh, with, with somebody who's going through that, who has a kid going through it. Cause just watching my kid suffer through seizures for a couple weeks was horrific um yeah. i can't imagine it, it, it it's definitely a very debilitating uh you know very very tough disorder to go through so yeah definitely uh definitely a worthy cause to 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 fundraise for yep so thank everybody in advance uh for a donation thank everybody who has donated already the names are on the the names are on the gofundme it's part of why i did it so people could get credit if they wanted um so thanks everybody who's pay attention thanks everybody who's listening uh everyone who's in the chat love you guys too uh man i i, I just can't say more than I've, I've i've blown away by the support that people have shown uh, I, I knew it would be successful and i knew it would be a good thing to do but i'm absolutely blown away by the amount of support that i've really gotten over the past you know couple of weeks that i've been doing this and it's only going to get better so i i just i can't say enough and i'm i'm trying to hold back some tears right now man this is uh it, it feels really good. So thanks everybody so much from the bottom of my heart. It means everything. Yeah, that's awesome. Excited to see how far that goes. So uh, thanks everybody for tuning in and watching and thanks Nick again for coming on and uh, um, yeah. Talk to y'all later.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.